DEI test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the eye test. I'm Eric. This is Brady. We've got our guest with us today, what I consider one of the hardest gets <laughs> to get get nailed down for an interview. We've got Clinton Childs here with us. He, uh, For the five people in Nebraska that don't remember you, give us your history real quick. Um, well, I'm born and raised Omaha, um, right here in Nebraska. Um, played uh, down at the university during what everybody calls uh, the glory years. Right. Uh, played running back, played uh, with some really good running backs at the time. Um, uh, backed up Lawrence Phillips, um, starter for kickoff returns, uh, some special teams, things like that. Um, I don't know what else people want to know about me. Well, I, I, uh, well we're going to, yeah. we'll, we'll get into, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into a lot of that, um, a lot of that stuff here. Uh, on, on our podcast, we don't get into a lot of the, like the daily, what I call the daily chatter on, on, on podcasts that, that go like every week, or it seems like some of them go every other day. It seems like these days yeah. and then the radio shows, cause uh, we're we're a little bit like a magazine, and and if we don't make it evergreen to stand over t- to stand on its own over time, then it just gets lost in the noise. Um, we like to talk about some of the what would you say some of the intangibles, some of the 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 bigger picture stuff. Like what, some of the bigger, bigger picture stuff, but also some of the like the underlying minutia of of not just football. I mean, yeah, we'd use the context, the context of Nebraska football all the time, but um, just as a framework of, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about physical, con- when Rob was on, we talked about a lot about physical contact. And, and when Steve was on, we talked about, you know, developing toughness and grit and how we get that kind of stuff out of kids. Um, what are your thoughts on... Because the game is, the game's different than when we played. Softer, right? It, um, he said it. It's Thank a lot God, softer. he said it. It is a lot softer game. Yeah. So how, how do we, as parents, as coaches, as people who influence these young men, as we, if we're talking strictly about football, but it applies to other sports and even female sports. But how do we? Is there a path to returning to some of that toughness or, or do we just have to accept that the game has changed and it's not going back? Well, right now I think you kind of have to accept the fact that the game, it it has changed. Um, It's a lot different than what it was 20 years ago. It's a lot different than what it was 30 years ago. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, first of all, you have parents that are, parenting a lot softer than you know for say my age group our age group when mm-hmm. we we're growing up opposed to like what you have today right and what you have today is uh you have a lot younger parents uh than what we did um so there's a lot of friendships i would say you friendships know friendships with of, your kids of parents that are yeah. yeah instead of and i'm not saying that that's a it's a horrible thing because you know those relationships can be 
you know, they can be great relationships, but I also feel like that tough love, like when you used to have the dad that sat in the basement that didn't have to speak much and, Mm -hmm. you know, mom pretty much uh, handled everything. And then when dad spoke, you hear yeah. That he roars. Wait till you wait till dad gets home. That's like the most scary thing you could ever hear. So, <laughs> I mean, as far as like uh, the, the difference of the game today, um, you also have people that are leading uh, these games and uh, these different sports and organizations and things like that, that grew up either with a silver spoon in their mouth or, didn't have to really work hard to get to places where they had to get to and where they've gotten to now. Right. So, um, you know, when things are handed to you, we all know this, when things are handed to you and they're given to you, uh, you don't appreciate it as much. You value it less. So, you know, uh, if we can, if, if I, and I'm a firm believer, everything happens, uh, everything starts at home and you know, the things that you do at home, uh, the structure that you have, the, whatever it is that you're trying to get for your child. Right. And, you know, doing your best, raising them the best that you can. But um, I also believe there has to be uh, some tough love. and There's got to be some uh, some tough lessons that are taught. And I think a lot of people forget to, you know, teach those tough lessons because once you get out into the real world, yes, the real world is soft as well. Right. But, um, you know, if you can teach your kids – uh, how to go through adversity um, and understand that there are going to be some failures and continue to tell them that, you know, everyone's, everyone's fallen before. Right. It's not if you get knocked down, it's, it's how many times you're willing to get up. Yep. So you got to be willing to get up quite a bit. And uh, as long as you know that being knocked down is okay, as long as you come back from that knockdown. Yep. And learn from, Learn from, learn something from it, hopefully, so that it doesn't happen again. Well, if you get knocked down again, you know, yeah, yeah, you got to get up again. Yeah. So, you know, is uh, there was a, a saying in my family. You know, some people don't believe that fat meat is greasy. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, if you want to continue to do the same kind of things, and you're getting in trouble or doing those same type of things, or you're not finding the successes that you're looking for, then you need to figure out a way to get it done. Right. Well. It, as we're as you as you were talking, I was thinking the the thought occurred to me that you know you, you hear all the coaches talking about they're say you know they're saying they want to be the most physical team the most physical team out there everybody everybody says that but in this in this game that's changed how how do we do that how do how how do you guys do that as coaches what do, what how do, how are you going to make how are you going to be more physical in a game that's restricted so much? Restricted and gotten a little soft. Um, well, I think uh, one of the big things is, especially like coaching high school age athletes, um, first of all, you have to have a parent meeting. And mm-hmm. in the parent meeting, you have to, you know, try to gain some of that trust uh, in in the conversation that you have. You know, let these parents know, hey, you know, I am going to be tough on your child, mm-hmm. male or female. I'm going to be tough on them. I'm going to try to get everything out of them that I possibly can. Um, me, I use profanity quite a bit. And um, I explain to parents in every parent meeting that I have, 
I will never put your child down. I will never cuss at your child to belittle them. But there may be some you language. Might, you might need to get their attention. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's nothing that I would ever do to, you know, try to hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that. But that's why I explain that to the parents right away so they know exactly what they're getting. Yeah. So in those parent meetings, I leave them uh, with a lot of different things to where, you know, either you can come to, uh, to watch me coach. You can also come and watch me how I'll pat your child on the back and tell them good job when they mm-hmm. do a good job as well. But it's nothing um, personal. If I get on your kid's case, it's just trying to teach them some of the lessons that I grew up with because I know that the lessons that I grew up with are the ones that, you know, also helped me uh, become who I am today and who I was 20, 30 something years ago. Right. right? And when you learn those lessons, it kind of makes life a little easier because you kind of understand that there are going to be some failures. There are going to be things that, you know, you have shortcomings and not everything's going to be perfect. Right. But as long as you're able to hold your chin up and you're able to battle through whatever it is, which is, a, you know, one of the big things, I always try to teach like sports, but I want it to be a life lesson. I want you to be able to learn something 100%. that you're going to be able to pull from this and become the best right. that you can possibly you use that term earlier. That's been sticking in my brain as I've been listening, that whole, the tough love. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I just think that's everything. And it's gotta be both words, right? It's Absolutely. not just tough or right. love. It's Absolutely. not an either or it's both. Right. Right. And you know, I, I, I coached some sports over the years too. And I was the same way. I was like, it's going to be tough love. Right. I'm good. I will be the first one to kick him in the butt, but I'll also be the first one off the bucket. Right. And meet him at the chalk line to give him a hug or high five when the time, you know, when it's worthy. Absolutely. Um, and and I never handed out my my my, my kids sitting over there. He'll be the first one to tell you I don't hand out false praise. Right. Right. You, you, you got to earn it that way. That way, when you do get the smallest praise, it means a lot. Right. Um, There's, I mean, and even today, I mean, you talk about participation trophies, participation mm-hmm. medals, participation ribbons, like those things weren't given out. Well, hey, why, why you remember what, that last year you played baseball and we had, uh, we were in a, we were in the end of the year tournament and we wound up finishing second place and we just walked away. We didn't even want the second place trophy. Yeah, I asked everybody. I said, "Do we do you do we even want this trophy?" And the whole team, I was like so proud of them. <laughs> the whole team said, "Hell no!" And we just packed up our shit and walked away. I mean, I understand that part. I do, <laughs> but right? if I'm gonna work my ass off and I end up second place, you damn right, I'm taking that shit home. Right. Well, there were some other right? things that play with but, the, with the with the team they were playing that we didn't like respect the way they played the game. There you go, right? Because well, yeah. we didn't feel like they were respecting the game. I could care less if you disrespect yeah. me, yeah. but you don't disrespect the game. Kids or the and, game, yeah, right. And and so we just we just packed up our stuff and went home because we were there to win it. I've, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, I wouldn't care if it was a spitting contest. I'm in it to win it. Yeah, I and then that's win. the one thing, right? How many times? How many guys have we had on from? 
from the 90s. And I, I love hearing the stories about how you guys competed at everything. Everything. If everything it was, was bowling, if it was cards, if it, like you said, if it was a spitting contest, the whole, like, there were seven guys lined up that were spitting to see who could spit the farthest. Absolutely. Right. And I, I, I just think that that, uh, you know, it teaches you how to compete. I think I, I, I'm hundred percent. I, I don't think, I don't think this, 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 this next generation was, was taught to compete and it, and, and to, to, to hate losing more than you like winning. That is my concept, right? That is a, Hundred <laughs> percent. That is my I concept. Hate. Right and there. I, you know, you know where I went to high school. We lost. If we won three games a year, we had a good year. And I still hated losing. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Right. And I, I mean, you know, it's 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 just funny, but it, it just it boils back to the world is soft, right? You know, you got people that are in position that. You know, I just got one more thing I wanted to touch on, and then we're gonna we're gonna remember that Brady's here because he's got things he wants to ask too. Okay, he's just like caught in the middle here. Um, I'm fine, but but I'm really I'm really like focusing in on this concept that, uh, and we might be doing more with it. We'll, we'll see what happens, but this concept of of the importance of building better young men, mm-hmm. specifically young men, because. I think there's been a whole generation that's that of young men that have kind of been lost mm-hmm. and they haven't been, they haven't, they, in some ways they've been told that their masculinity is wrong. And so they've internalized it and not, and not willing to express it anymore. Where exactly are you going with that? No, no, no. Their no, masculinity. No. I mean, we're talking about something like. No, we're talking, no, no, no. We're okay. talking about this whole, okay. it, it, this this whole concept of like toxic masculinity. Right. And I think there's a generation of young men here who are, their masculinity has been lost because if they didn't have a father at home to teach it to them, and now they have portions of society telling them they're flawed because they like to fight or yeah. they like to compete. Well, right. Um, that this important that I think we need to get back to build, to focusing on building better young men. Yeah. Cause I think the world's going to need them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my everyday job, I deal with uh, young men and young women. And, you know, one of the big things is uh, that I talk to them about is being able to carry yourself with a lot of pride. Yeah. And no matter, you know, what your shape, no matter what your height, no matter what your skin color, no matter what, even if you want to express yourself by dyeing your hair a certain kind of color. Right. Like, be confident in who you are. And I think that... Uh, you know, there's it's it's easy to get into a classroom and you have a lesson plan, right? Because you have everything marked out and what you're going to do. But this isn't teaching life lessons. This is teaching what this subject is about in this classroom. Right. And I think that, you know, uh, there are, there really are, there's enough programs, probably not enough programs, but there are programs out there to where kids can, like, go like to your uh, boys and girls clubs and, you know, uh, girls inks and things like that to where, you know, these young men and young women can get some uh, structure while they're not in school. But I also feel like these are things to where these young men and young women today, like they need like 
someone to teach them yes. how a young lady should carry herself, how a young man should carry herself, and what the difference is between male and female as far as like what you're going to do and what your sights are. You know, you have to get out and you got to work and you got to work your ass off. And when you're out there doing it, make sure that you hold your chin high, no matter what it is that you choose to be or whatever it is that you choose or how you choose to act. Like at the, at the end of the day, you have to have confidence in whatever it is that you're trying to do, because if you don't carry that, that confidence and you know, I, I listen to a lot of just like motivational speeches and stuff like that. Um, and one of the big things that I'm hearing a lot of is like the ones that are failing the most are the ones that aren't preparing the most. And if you if you're going into something with uh, a lack of self-confidence, it's because mm-hmm. you didn't prepare and you know that you didn't prepare. So if you know you didn't prepare and you get ready to step on the playing field or if you get ready to go apply for this job and you want to sit down and talk to somebody of a Fortune 500 company or whatever it is that you might want to. But, you know, the qualifications might be there, but that doesn't mean that you're confident enough to sit down and be able to speak with whomever it is that's in that room. You know, and, you know, Ray Lewis said it best. He was like, you know, uh, one of the big things that you have to do as far as getting respect, and that is to give respect. And the person that walks into that room is nine times out of ten the person that people are going to be looking at, and they're going to want to give that person their respect just because of the way that that person carried themselves into that room. Right. You demand respect in the way that you carry yourself. Yeah, I talk to my boys all the time about um, something that I saw years ago and it it always stuck me was that the the alpha in the room never has to tell anybody he's the alpha absolutely right absolutely. everybody just knows yep i had a wrestling coach uh in high school you had a great wrestling coach yeah. in high school he's actually been inducted into the hall of fame i just found out from uh tommy warren senior uh yesterday uh at the grocery store that uh curly's getting Nice. You uh, had a great in. wrestling yeah. coach. You so guys. if I can shout out to Curly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he's uh he has some great talent. You know, he had a lot of You a didn't lot want of to wrestle talent. anybody from North when back in the day. Yeah. They were gonna they were gonna be tough. Yeah. They spoke about it though. I mean, you know, even back then, this is what I'm talking about as far as like men guiding young men. Right. You know, you got Curly Alexander and my father, Herman Colvin. You know, right. that's the closest thing to a dad that I ever had. Like, that's my guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those guys were – and I, I'm, I mimic a lot of things that I do with my coaching style because there was plenty of tough love that I got from them. And, I mean, I can still, at, you know, 49 years old, I can get a telephone call from Herman Colvin talking to me about certain things, and it's the same thing as right. it was when I was uh, 15, yes, 17 yes, coach. years old. No, it's Pops. I, I don't dare call him coach anymore. But I, well, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, I, I, it's, yeah. it's funny you say that and how that sticks with you, right? I mean, up until, you know, up until uh, my high school coach died a few years ago, anytime I would run it, I, you know, I'd be 45 years old and running into him, and it was still yes, coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How you doing, coach? You know, and everybody, shit. It's impacting lives. Right. And, and it, that's like know. the, it's like the ultimate respect. And I didn't realize until I had coached for years and I've got, now I've got, you know, 26, 27 year old men yeah. that will still hit me up online and say, Hey coach. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I'm like, that's like the, like, that's like the best compliment yeah. ever. I'll tell you. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, you know, with coaching the last 26 years, um, and I'm kind of going into something. Go ahead. I mentioned earlier that there are people in positions to where things were handed to them, didn't have to work to get to where they're at. And, yes, the qualifications on paper might mm -hmm. be there, but then they seem to forget the people that are actually, you know, coaching these young men, young women that are teaching them life lessons. And they, they forgot about those. And it's sad to see that because somebody that has put so much time, effort, and has devoted away from their own family to give to other people's uh, families and their children, and they not respect that, and they look elsewhere and think that they're going to get it elsewhere, it's sad to see yeah. what's happening when you don't have people that respect like what's being done with these young men and young women when you're coaching them in sports. Right. So I won't say any names, but I'm pretty sure if people hear this, they'll know who I'm it's talking a, about. If you know, you know kind of thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, but that is, uh, that it just goes into kind of like what I'm talking about, though. Like, you have to. You know, you got to, you got to, tough love is always going to be a thing to where, you know, yeah. you got to speak on it. It's just like you said, you know, you could run into your old coach and it's, yes, coach. Happens yep. all the time. Same coach that made us run endless hills one day, because <laughs> right, and it, yeah. it was, it, and and you mentioned that like how much of that that coaching filtered into your own, and and I and I think of that too. Like I always, you know, I when I have my parent meetings, I would always say, "We're not going to learn a lot of baseball the first two weeks because it's going to be discipline week, right? Yeah. We're going to learn my expectations. We're going to learn." that I'm serious about my expectations. Absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of extra running and some push-ups and some we'll try to get some baseball in there. It's but really cool to hear. It's really cool to hear the parents come back and tell you, you know, thank you for what you did with my child. Yeah, and that most is of, awesome. most of my parents stuck around. That's awesome. Well, and that this might get a little too current Nebraska, so if, slow me down. Plus, I've been working on the yearbook stuff this summer. Oh, right. So, so it's all on the I'll, top of your brain. So I'll yeah, but um, off the top, like Matt Rule has said, with his whole coaching staff kind of running with the, with the theme, they're a comforting, not coddling environment in coaching. We, if you see them in practice, they are like intense and loud, and they're coaching details, and they're going to get after it, but they're, they're not belittling, even to college players. You know, they're, they're going to coach them up. They, they want the players to understand the standard, and they're going to coach them hard to adhere to the standard and elevate it but there's no sense in making, you know, a young man feel bad if, if he's having a bad day or just, you know, shoving him into the dirt in front of his teammates. That doesn't do anybody any good. So that that came to mind. And then um, this will be this won't be out for a couple of weeks. So I've I've been working on my Don't date us too much. Right. <laughs> uh, I've been working on my yearbook story. And my yearbook story uh, involves the Texas ties. So I talk prominently to, to Garrett McGuire and Bob Wager. And Clinton, multiple things you said brought me back to my the story in writing about Bob Wager. His time at Arlington Martin, uh, one of the players he coached happened to be uh, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, future number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. And 
Bob Wager has a, has a story that I think it was before Miles um, Garrett's sophomore year. He, he called a parent meeting and called Miles in with his, with his parents. And you got a kid who's remarkably, you know, athletic and talented mm-hmm. at that point. You never really, and anytime you call in a parent for a meeting, you never really know how that's going to turn out. Right. And Bob said, you know, Miles is clearly talented, clearly athletic, clearly driven, but the effort he's giving out versus the effort of his potential does not match right now. Right. He's got to elevate that and lift it up. And the way that Bob said it was like, you know, there was kind of like that, that weight in the room after he said something, Miles' dad said, tell him the same thing. We, yeah, you know, like I hear you loud and clear coach. <laughs> like we're, you know, we're going to get yeah. there because I want my son to, to, to hit those, those spots. And obviously he got there. Um, and also going along with that, um, Bob Wager coach at Arlington Martin, even even when he took the job and then now it's the way that school district lines up is lower on the socioeconomic end of the, even just the Arlington part in like the south, I guess southwest or southern Dallas-Fort Worth suburbs. And he, the way that he told the story was, you know, he, they lost to Allen, biggest school district in Texas mm-hmm. by about 11 points back in September. And he, it just ate at him. And he texted Matt Rule because who wasn't even he was still with the Panthers at the time, and they were just close from his time at Baylor. And just texted, he's like, "I just don't know." It felt like the moment was too big for us, mm-hmm. you know. Like it just felt like they 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 got too tense and too tight and too anxious when they didn't need to be. You know, they should be assured of themselves. They they've they've worked hard to that point. They should go out with confidence. And he brought up. You know, as Matt, Matt Rule is also big on studies, so they they have that uh, commonality. Where there is a study where uh, players with sing or fatherless homes are less apt to handle pressure in situations like that. Mm. So he reached out to Matt Rule and said, "You know, how is this going to happen, and or how do you deal with that?" And Matt Rule even at the time called him right back and said, "Bob, I'm dealing with the same thing here, even at the NFL level." You got guys who just can't break through those those moments, and it's a constant battle. It's a constant pressure of trying to to embolden them and give them that confidence, give them that edge. And you know, M- Matt Rule and his whole staff—they love competition. They're living off of it. Why do you think they have spring ball the way that they do? And they right. brought in so many people. Like, it's competition breeds success, and it breeds comp- It breeds further competition. But even to hear that, and so Glenn, if if that resonates at all, or if I'm mumbling on, please let me know. Did they but, did they find an answer? But they're they're just they just bonded over each other. And I mean, the, another underlying again, spoiler alert: if you haven't read the story yet, or if you haven't read the the yearbook, Bob Wager's dad passed when Bob was four, so he was raised almost entirely by his mother. And his high school football coach actually mm-hmm. inspired him to seek out coaching because he was he just wanted to be like him so much. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, they're, they're, and I, you know, I see it. I've got nieces and nephews. My brother's a college baseball coach. He helps coach T-ball or softball pitch and everything like that. And you see some of the parents, in, especially at that age, like you, you like a little bit of fire. You like, you know, boosting up, but at the same time, it's like accountability accounts for a lot. You know what <laughs> Absolutely. I mean? There, there has to be some, there has to be some accountability. Yeah. Not every, not everybody is going to play in the pros. Most of them are not going to make it to college, right? right. right? And so some, most of them aren't even going to make their high school team. They're not as great as you think they are, but they're that, that doesn't, that doesn't detract from the need to 
hold them accountable, make them better. Right. You know, when I, um, Wyatt played with one of my favorite kids I'd ever coached, and I'd coached some talented kids. And he wasn't by far the most talented on the team. He wasn't, he was never going to pitch, and he just, but he enjoyed being there. Absolutely. Enjoyed, and and he always, always, always gave me 100% effort and a great attitude. And those were like my only two requirements. Okay. Yeah. Maximum effort and, uh, and I mean, a good attitude. Yeah. The rest of it we can work with, right? You had a bad day and then it's, uh, you're feeling off today. We can work through all of that and I can teach you how to do what you need to do. But the only, I always just tell them the only two things that you are hundred percent in control of yeah. is your effort and your attitude. Absolutely. 100%. I preach that all the time to all of my athletes. And, uh, you know, I, going back to, you know, you making a comment of, you know, the, the ones that are least apt to be able to deal with pressure because they grew up in a single parent home. I grew up in a single parent home. And I think that that, uh, that lit my fire. Yeah. You know, it, it really did. And to be completely honest with you, um, it was kind of fun seeing, uh, my sperm donor. Okay. Watch me become who I was becoming when I was in high school because I would hear from different people that he was starting to tell people that I was his son. And my response was, I didn't have a dad. I didn't. He was never around, you know? And for whatever reason or whatever, like there is nothing on this planet except for death that can keep me away from my kids. So that's always been a thing to me. And I also think that, you know, because you grew up in a single parent home, whether if it, you know, being males, like I have two older brothers and they were tough as hell on me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they usually are. And to be honest with you, there has been times to where, you know, I've done other interviews and I give Ken and Cal, all of the credit in the world because of the, like, had I not gotten my ass whooped by them as much as I did, right? I would have never been become who I was. It would have been, it would have been very, very tough for me to become who I was if they weren't as hard on me as they were. Like when I tell you, like I got the living <laughs> crap beat out of me, right. like there's no, like if, ands and buts about it. Now that was tough love, Right. You can't spread that the way that you can today. So I, I'm a firm believer that when people say because I was grown in a, uh, a single parent home, I use that, like that's an excuse. And I think that there are too many excuses that are being accepted by too many people that are in positions to where they can say, oh, well, because uh, you have a single mom or a single dad that's at home that's raising this kid, this kid can't be successful. Well, what seems to be the problem? Is it the home or is it these people from the outside that are sitting in these positions saying this kid probably won't? Well, if you're, if you're bashing a kid's ego like that or if you're giving them, continuing to give them crutches to lean on, what do you think they're going to do? Right. They already have excuses made up and why they're not going to be successful instead of us letting everybody know that no matter where you're from, Born and raised, North Omaha, East Omaha, you know, West Omaha. It doesn't matter. South Omaha. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's about 
where you're getting your drive from, being able to find within like where you're at as a person, as a competitor, as what it is that you want to be. I was told at a very early age that no matter what you do in high school, like if you're good enough at things, you don't have to talk about it. You mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier. You don't have to talk about it because other people will talk about it for you. Right. Yeah. So I don't like, yes, I do kind of stay um, to myself, for say. Um, I don't go back to a lot of Nebraska football games. I don't feel like I need to. Uh, I think that that uh, time of my life was great. Uh, met some really good friends. Uh, met a brother in Lawrence. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, like the offensive linemen, you know, Mm -hmm. those are my guys. Those guys and I are like, we're pretty close. And, you know, when you have a common goal and you have, you know, so many different uh, lifestyles and how people come up, quit using things for excuses. The people at the top need to stop making excuses for why people can't be successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's really, that's really, I'm going to, I'm going to be chewing on that one for about a week because there's all, there's a lot of good stuff right there. That's a lot of truth. A lot of really good truth. Now you mentioned you don't show up to a lot of football games and I know that's true because I know who I see on the sidelines every, every game. And, but you came, you came to the last one. You were at the, at the spring game and I turn around and damn, there's Clinton. And I turn around and take a picture and I turn around the hell did Clinton go? I was going to say, and he, and he's gone. He saw you he with the just camera turned, and got up. Turned, no, he's just yeah. like that. That's how, that's every time I run into him, it's just I turn around and there's Clinton. And then I turn around again and he's gone. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's like a stealth. <laughs> but anyways, I mentioned you were, you showed up to the spring game. You showed up for Frank. Only. Oh, I, and I get it. Yes. Tell me about that. Tell me just a little bit about. I asked you before we started recording what your thought what your thoughts were on it and you hit it on the head on hit the nail on the head. It was something that was long overdue. Um you know, um I I I left the university feeling some type of way. I did. Uh, I wasn't like um all giddy about everything. I love the fact that I was on two national championship teams. I love the fact of a lot of the relationships that I built. Um, I also feel like there were some things that happened that you see quite a bit of. You just never think that you would be a part of that. And I won't go into detail because, again, people know who they are right? when things are mentioned, right? But Frank Solich was somebody that always kept it 100%. If he knew that you weren't going to play much, he would tell you, you're not going to play much this week. If he knew that you are going to get a certain amount of carries and could be a bulk of what's going on in this game plan, he would tell you. And that's the thing that I loved about uh, Frank. But even after playing days, uh, I've always been able to call him. I've always been able to text him. He has always been there. There's a lot of people that say, yes, I'm always here for you. But I've always been able to call and talk to Coach Solich. And um, the time that he were uh, at Ohio, 
I would text Coach Solich right after a football game, after I see him win. I, rem I can't remember exactly what year it was, but he had Ohio State on the ropes, had him beat. And I texted him. I was like, hey, good game. Like, Ohio State is, like, ranked super high at this time. Right. And he simply hits back, being frank, still lost. He wanted to win. Yeah. You know? And he's always been someone that, like, he responds. I mean, he responds every single time that I have texted that man. That man has responded, like, that day. It's not like a day later. It's not like two days later. Like, he's better at texting people back than I am. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that man, and he's all, and, you know, Coach Solich and I, we've had some conversations. And, uh, you know, about some of my feelings and how, you know, when I left from Lincoln. And, uh, you know, he's kind of that big uncle. I mm -hmm. shouldn't call him big, but, you know, the uncle figure to where, like, he kept it he played, real. He, he plays bigger than he is. He kept, yeah. he kept it real the whole time. And that was the whole thing, you know, which kind of, like, you know, helped soothe some of the bitterness from, you know, from when I did exit from down there. And, uh, but again... I, I showed up because Frank Solich, when, when the same day that I found out that Solich was going to be down there, I told him, I will be there to see you. And he said, I look forward to it. I can't wait to see you, Clinton. That's exactly what the response is. I'll show you the, I, I, you know. I, I, I know. totally believe it. There's, you know, but it, it is. He's just, I, I, I agree. It might, you know, I've had limited exposure to him over the years, but. That has not, nothing about it has changed. I was remarking about when I was going through the the pictures I shot of his little ceremony. He busted out in that big smile, <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, that is the same smile from twenty five years." Absolutely, ago. right? Nothing. I mean, maybe a couple extra wrinkles, and but it is the same smile. Yep. That's the same guy I remember. One hundred percent. Oh, there's a reason why, like, when he came back, he came back for, like, basically a week because his old players in Omaha wanted to see him, his old Lincoln Southeast, mm -hmm, you know, right. high, from mm -hmm. his high school days. And then they had a separate Husker event, like, right. and now they're naming the new locker room after him. Like, there's a reason for that is because his connection with players and the, just the tether you have to, it's, it's another thing that's almost unique with sports and coaching is, like, that bond that you can form with multiple people from bypassing generations. Yeah. Like it's, it's remarkable. And, but I, if you've met, if you've met Frank and you've talked with him for a lot, you also, it's not that remarkable. He's no, just, a, you can't help it. You can't help, you can't like help him. but like yeah. him. Yeah. No, I, and I, I, I remember, I will, I will never forget the day I met Frank and I've told you the story. I don't know. I don't know if I had told you the story or not, but he was up at, he was up at Brian looking at oh, a couple of my linemen at the time. And they must have been in coach's office watching film. I was walking out, and I just happened to be walking in the locker room. He walks up, shakes my hand, and says, if you were three inches taller and 15 pounds heavier, I'd offer you right now. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Again, keeping it real. <laughs> like, like, just like, yeah, like instantly right. real. Just like, hi, I just met you, young man. Boom, real. I'm like, yeah, Fuck. yeah, man. And I spent the next week cussing my parents out. He's my like entire that, genetic code. He's right? like, that. I was like, He's man, like that. you couldn't have just give me four inches. I could have found the 15 or 20 pounds. That would have been <laughs> easy. He's like that. But yeah, yeah. But that was the reason. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really good to see that, 
you know, because uh, we got a chance. To, uh, Toby Wright and I were kind of standing uh, on the sideline and we were talking to Trev. And, uh, you know, Trev was like, to be honest with you, like, Rule is the one that reached out and he said that he wanted to do something. And it just makes you think back to, like, everybody that's been there as a head football coach since Solich has been gone, nobody thought to bring that man back to honor him and do anything. Well, it's – it from my perspective, and we've talked about this, that it's all uh, it's all part of what, I, what I'm calling uh, Trevor Albert's redemption tour. Mm-hmm. Like he's – it seems to me he's going through – he's doing all of the things to right all of the wrongs mm-hmm. over the last one. And that – the Frank Solich thing I think was the most glaring one. Right, because the way that all went down and the way he got kicked out the door by the administration at the time was just—it was just—it—it. It, it, I don't know if it—I don't know if it's the Frank Solich curse or what, but it was—it was long overdue. And that entire week, like you talked about, and DB has talked about it, that that entire it just felt like a cathartic cleansing that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, like a lot of bad air, just kind of, we just kind of wiped it away by, you know what I mean? By just trying to, trying to at least like acknowledge and make things right yeah. as best yeah. you can. That, that, that had to be done. Yeah. Like something like that for Solich, it, it had to be done. That was long I mean, it's, you're hard pressed to find anybody, anybody who has given more years and more blood to the university than him. Absolutely. I mean, he played. He coached. I mean, T.O. doesn't have the years at Nebraska that that Frank did. You better be careful mentioning that. There will be people wanting your head saying (laughs) something like that about T.O. But it's the truth. T.O. went to Hastings College. You're right. Right? You're right. Frank's got got seniority (laughs) as far as the number of years in in that uniform. Oh, yeah. And it's worth noting the the Matt Rule connection of – you know, reaching out, they have that relationship mm-hmm. from coaching with each other. And that rule of, you know, seeing a lot of college coaches around, he's really good at like ingratiating the culture. I mean, he went to Baylor without even being from Texas and hired three Texas high school coaches association, beloved members. And now Joey McGuire's coaching at Texas tech Wetzel, I think is still in administration at Baylor. And then I can't remember where the other one is at, but he's he's really good at getting the culture bits. He's really good at understanding he is what people want. Exceptional at reading the room. And this, yeah, th- I mean, this was this was a prime fruit ripe on the picking, you there know, you go. to go after. And he, it it was an easy decision, but one that I mean, people in Nebraska aren't going to take it easy by saying it was an easy decision. They're going to love it just as much, yeah. easier, difficult. Well, he's still got to put up. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, for, there, for there, sure. there's that. But, <laughs> for sure. But he, seem, he seems to be checking all yeah. the boxes. Yeah. He's right? undefeated in the games yeah. they've played so far. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yeah we've because we, we've talked about it before, too, that there, I think we as fan bases over the last, we'll even go, we'll go all the way back to Frank. After Frank, we had all these different kinds of coaches, right, that they checked some boxes, but they didn't check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And so we've assembled, we as fans of it have, have assembled this checklist of all the things we'd love to see in a coach. Right. Right. And nobody ever like checked all the boxes. And then, and then Matt comes in and he just starts like doing things and saying things and doing things and recruiting and 
you know, the Frank thing and the getting the culture thing. And he just keeps checking off boxes and everybody who is, and I was one of them. I was, I went into this coaching hire going, no, no, you get, you get to show me, don't tell me. Yeah. Right. I am tired of, I'm tired of jumping on the bandwagon and being disappointed. I said, nope, 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 nope. And God damn it. He just kept checking off boxes. Oh. Right. And I was like, damn it. I think I'm on the bandwagon because, <laughs> you know, granted, we're, we're all we all got to wait and we got to win some games. Absolutely, but that's uh, going to be the biggest uh, box that's oh. checked. Oh yeah, regardless. Absolutely, regardless. And, but you got to but you got to coach that that gets competition. Yeah, right. His his, you know the Matt the Matt test. What was what did he call it? Drinks, the 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 whole competition week. Oh yeah, they had team competition week. What was so it? Like, what did he call that? They well they even into mat drills and then mat in, drills that's and, what I was trying and to then into the, like the final week of off season conditioning they just like broke up and had the team themselves they just played like, games and competed into mm-hmm. like twelve different teams they had their own draft and then you know captains they had points for accountability getting people to class on time or getting to other Husker events and supporting other Husker oh, yeah. athletic teams and all of that like if again I've, I went to school and we've. We all convinced Zach Lee to chug a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> he was third string quarterback and he was chugging a bottle of ketchup because we told him he couldn't do it. Yeah. That's the kind of competition that right. that it takes, you know what I mean? And I think there's it's when you see it, you know it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, uh you you hear a lot of rumblings about um how pleased people are with that hire. And which is cool. Like yeah. that that's great. At the end of the day. The big box is one. How many wins and loss? But one that seems to be that uh, he's doing well and what he's, uh, that he's done well other places that he's been and coached is, as you said, uh, he's able to read the room. And if you can build relationships, if you can build people uh, and make them want to buy into, like that's the big thing. You get these young kids to buy into you can lead them just about anywhere that you want them to. And it seems like that's what he's doing. And that, uh, that'll always be a big thing. Like if you don't get kids to buy in, kids are going to enter the transfer portal all the time. Yeah. yeah. Which is a different. We're not going to go there. We don't have a time to go down <laughs> yeah. that road. But yeah. on, on that note, um, we're running up against time here. So I think we'll, we'll end it on the uh, just win games. Just win games. Just win games, and it all takes care of itself. So we'll end it there. I'm Eric. This is Brady. Thanks, Clinton, for coming in. That was a great, uh, great discussion. Don't forget to uh, click subscribe and the notifications bell and all that stuff if you care to come back and hear what we got to talk about. Uh, To that end, this was the eye test. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Heard at Sports Network Production.